Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thanks so much for that introduction, Marie, and thank you so much, podcast audience, for joining us today. And uh, so, Rick, we have started a brand new series. You started a brand new series called Freedom. And uh, on the webpage and in your opening remarks just this past Sunday, you mentioned that the heart of the gospel is freedom. And you, you posed this question, how well do we understand our freedom in Christ? Or do we fully appreciate the liberty of the gospel? Or do we take things for granted? So what, what's this series all about, and, and why is it important that we think about those questions? Yeah, uh, I, I do think we misunderstand, we take for granted our freedom in Christ. Hmm. Many people, I think, would just have a big question mark if you said, hey, what does freedom in Christ mean to you? Um, hmm. Maybe because they would immediately hear the word freedom and think of, you know, living in America, yeah. 1776, the Declaration of Independence, and they realize that the, uh, the truth, the spiritual truth of freedom goes all the way back to Jesus Christ and this thing called the gospel. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Now, speaking of the gospel, th- there are a couple of terms here that I, I think that I need to kind of take a step back, and, and maybe our listening audience, we just kind of need to revisit some terms. So... The word gospel, what does that mean? And don't other religions give the same promise uh, of the gospel of Jesus? Well, first of all, the word gospel, the Greek word is euangelion, and, okay. it, and it means good news. Oh, It's simply a proclamation of good news. Um, yeah, euangelion was one of Paul's favorite words. Sean, did you realize that when you... Go through all of Paul's letters. He uses the word good news 60 times. Whoa. I would say that is a theme of Paul's life. Yes. He was a proclaimer of good news. In fact, 11 of those are found in Galatians. And to answer your question, do other religions have the same promise? They may, they may promise it, but they don't deliver. Yeah. And there's the problem. is when you, Really, when you compare Christianity with the other world religions... The great difference maker is this very thing. The gospel of Jesus says you cannot save yourself. Hmm. Someone else has to come to your aid to bring salvation. Yeah. And the uh, really the, the, the summary of the gospel and the comparison between Christianity and world religions comes down to two words, works versus faith. Okay. Uh, other religions, what do I need to do in order to be saved? Right. And, it, you know, if you're uh, world religions that emphasize reincarnation, for example, mm-hmm. what must I do in this life so that in the next life I can advance? Yeah. And if I do bad, I get karma, and so I, I get bumped down on the food chain. Mm-hmm. But if I do good, then in the next life I get bumped up in the food chain. It's all about effort. Uh, when you study uh, Islam, very same, very works-oriented. Only Christianity says, no, no, it's not what I do for God. It's what God has done for me. So 
world religions start with a big do. Christianity starts with a big done. Yeah, okay. So it's the difference between do and done, done for us. So I, I, I'm just kind of interested about why is it important for the average disciple to differentiate between the gospel and other world religions? If, if, I, if, I, if I say yes, I, I, I believe that Jesus, when he said, I have come to preach the good news or the, the, euang, the euangelion or the euangelizo, why is that important for listeners to say, yeah, that's a key difference? Because in our culture, Sean, most people, the vast majority of people, see religion as, as a, think of the picture of a scales. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the, on one side is your good works, and on the other side is the bad works. Yeah. Most people in our culture believe that, okay, if there is a God and if I make it to Judgment Day, God will look, and and I will be judged based upon the scales. Yeah. Can, do I have more good works than bad works? Uh-huh. One of the great challenges that Christianity offers is Christianity really takes a stick of dynamite and just throws it into this whole scale picture and <laughs> blows it up and says, no, no, it's not about scales. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want to use the scale analogy... Uh, you are a sinner, and that tips the scales, and nothing you can do can tip the scales back the other way. Yeah. So if you if you approach God based upon the scales mentality, you will be judged and condemned. Wow. And so that's the good news. The good news is I don't have to face the scale. Uh, it's already been done for me. So, okay, well, so that's the word gospel or good news. So thanks for telling us about that. What about the word freedom? Um, you know, it kind of presumes that that someone is enslaved. I mean, am I enslaved? I, I thought I was living in the land of the, the free and the home of the brave here. So what are you talking about? Yeah, and you know, when Jesus was on earth and confronting the Jewish leaders, mm-hmm. he, he had the same problem with them. You know, he said, hey, you're, you're a slave of sin. What was their reaction? Oh, we're free. We've right. never we've never been slaves to anyone, yeah. which was a big fat lie. They've yeah. been <laughs> slaves to the Egyptians, to the Persians, mm-hmm. the Babylonians, and in the presently with Jesus, the Romans, the, Romans. the Roman yeah. Empire. So they didn't even know what they were talking about politically, but Jesus was speaking spiritually. Yeah. And Sean, the picture Jesus has, and Paul obviously takes up on that in his writing, is the picture of two, there's two enemy armies that are warring. There's a war going on. Satan has captured us, and we are enslaved in the enemy camp. Mm-hmm. The picture of Christianity, Jesus comes on a rescue mission. You know, he, he's like the Navy SEALs, you know? Yeah. And so he arrives on earth. He breaks in to the enemy camp and rescues us. That's the picture. We are slaves to sin. We are in the enemy camp of sin. We cannot get out by being good enough, right enough, or religious enough. Yeah. We have to be rescued, not from the inside, but from the outside in. Jesus breaks in, rescues us. Now we are free. That's the biblical meaning and picture of freedom. Okay, so I... I always thought about freedom as the ability to do whatever I want. Uh, so how, how do I know that, that the gospel and 
Um, I think whether we, if we call them disciplines, or but they're restrictions to our heart uh, or in, and, and to our practice, how do we know that those aren't just more religious chains? Yeah, you're cheating a little bit. You're breaking ahead into our study of Galatians. <laughs> but, but Sean, when we do get to chapter 5, yeah. we will address this very issue. Okay. And what we will understand there, and I'll, we'll give a little teaser here. Okay. Biblical freedom has two sides. It's freedom from and freedom to. Mm. You're free from sin, but you are now free to serve. You are free to love. You are free to honor Jesus Christ for what he has done in breaking into the enemy camp and setting you free. Yeah. So now that you're free, you look at your rescuer and you say, Jesus, thank you. What can I ever do for you? And Jesus says, well, nothing when it comes to your salvation. But out of, out of gratitude, you can serve and you can love and you can obey. Yeah. There's the big difference. Yeah. yeah. It's the, it's motivation, Sean. We serve and we love not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. Yeah, I I love to think of it as as Jesus has removed the the chain that that uh, enforced my my want to. I before Jesus, I just wanted to sin. That's all I wanted to do. And so now I'm suddenly free to say, no, I want to choose that which which pleases God, that which is, is virtuous in my life. And, uh, and before, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And the biblical writers, especially Paul, would say you were powerless. Yes. When you were in enemy camp, you were powerless to obey the commands of God. Yeah. Now that you're free, you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have a new motive. You have a new source of power yeah. to be obedient. Plus, plus, once you're in Jesus' camp, Yeah you suddenly realize, you know, those commands are not meant to be a burden. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, God has my best interest at heart. And so all of a sudden you begin to see those commands not as a, oh, I have to do. It's a, oh, I get to do this because it will help me be successful in life. Yeah, yeah. I, what was that scripture actually that, that says that his commands are not burdensome? Yeah. And, uh, I, and I think about how... Um, if, let's say that I, uh, and I did, you know, at 16, I got my driver's license. I thought, yay, I'm free. So that didn't mean I can do whatever I want. I can't go through somebody's yard. I had to, uh, I need to obey stop signs and I need to obey stoplights. Not just, uh, they didn't, they didn't squelch my, my freedom. They allowed me to actually enjoy my freedom along with other people. Absolutely. They kept them safe, kept me safe. Absolutely. And again, those the, our traffic laws are intended for our best interest. Yeah. To keep us safe. God's laws, the very same. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, you, you said that the message of the real gospel is that Jesus took the punishment that we deserve. You know, I, I have to admit that I, I've swam in the waters of Christianity for so long, I think I need a refresher on why that statement is so categorically profound. Can you remind us, wh why is punishment necessary for sin? We have to remember that God is a holy God. He is perfect. He is absolute perfection. And because of that, Scripture is very clear, God cannot tolerate sin. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not because he's a bully. It's because he is perfect holiness. Yeah. So he cannot tolerate sin. Uh-oh, uh, Houston, we've got a problem. Yeah. We all have sin. 
Therefore, it alienates us from God. The only way we can come back into a relationship with a holy God is someone has to pay for our sin. Somehow it has to be removed. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so that's why punishment is necessary. Yeah, okay. So who... Who gets to define sins, and why can't I make up my own definition? Sean, I'll never forget watching one evening, several years ago, when Rick Warren had written his book, The Purpose Driven Life, and it was a bestseller. Well, Larry King, on Larry King Live, Mm -hmm. uh, had Rick on as a guest and interviewed him. And, of course, at the very end of the interview, Larry King, which he typically did with Christians, uh, Christian (laughs) leaders, when he interviewed them, he said, Now, Rick, you know, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Jew. Are you telling me that no matter how I live my life, at the end of my life, that uh, I will go to hell instead of heaven? I will, I will never forget Rick Warren's answer. He said, uh, Larry, listen, this is God's universe, not mine. I don't get to make up the rules, and neither do you. Now, Larry, if you want to make up your own rules, go create your own universe. <laughs> That was slick. Well, I think Larry's next comment was, let's go to commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the point. It is God's universe. Yeah. And that is the that is the rules almighty, perfect God has baked into his universe, and they are the rules, whether we like them or not. Yeah. I find it strangely ironic that even though people demand humility from other people, uh, and they, they think they're human, they're full of, of, of humility themselves. When it comes down to issues like this, suddenly they're an expert and uh, they don't want anybody telling them what to do. Now, why is it, Sean, when anyone sees an injustice in the world, uh-huh. why do they immediately, where does it come from where they say, that, that's wrong, somebody's got to pay? Uh-huh. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it is built into the DNA, our spiritual DNA that God created in us, there is something inside of us that demands there's an injustice, someone has to pay for that injustice. Yeah. But that's that's simply the way God created us in his image. God, in the same way, when there is injustice, sin, someone has to pay. Right. Okay. Now, punishment, is, as we're thinking about this, the sense of justice, uh, this sense of punishment, uh, it assumes that a law has been broken. Um, why can't I atone or pay for my own sins? Uh, how is it possible that Jesus' death is, is that substitute? Again, because God is perfect, he requires a perfect sacrifice. It mm. can't be a halfway, can't be a 50% payment. It has to be a perfect sacrifice. So none of us can offer God a perfect sacrifice of atonement. So again, we have to have someone from the outside come in. And that yeah. Jesus come, comes, lives the perfect life, therefore he can become the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. It takes a perfect sacrifice to appease and please a perfect God. I see. Okay. So this whole substitutionary death thing uh, is new with Jesus, right? Actually not. Uh, when you go back to the Old Testament, God was dropping hints Mm. all the way through. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole sacrificial system that he built into the law of Moses, it all pointed in that direction. Remember the Passover. Mm. What was the Passover all about? 
Um, you sacrifice the lamb, and it was the blood of the lamb on the doorpost that the death angel would not uh, just not kill the firstborn mm -hmm. when uh, Israel, under the leadership of Moses, was about to leave. So it was it was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And John, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself. When we get to <laughs> Galatians chapters three and four, Paul is going to explain that the whole purpose of the law was never intended for people to say, okay, here's God's perfect law. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. Well, I'm not going to be perfect, but you know that scale thing. If I right. keep it, if I keep, if I obey more than I disobey, you know, I'll make it into heaven. Yeah. We're going to learn the purpose of the law was never intended as a, as a workable path to heaven. Wow. In fact, the purpose of the law we will find is not not to show our goodness, but really to expose our need for a Savior. Yeah. It was really, the closer you get to God's law, Sean, the worse you look. <laughs> let, let me change the word, the, the worse we look. Ah, okay, okay. No, but I think that's a profound statement. It's just that the closer we understand how truly holy He is and how bad off we are, uh, we're maybe getting a little closer to where we can have a better understanding. Yeah, you know, if people want to really dig into this, go read the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. And Jesus, you know, he does this whole section in the Sermon on the Mount where, you know, the Jews said, hey, well, hey, I've never killed anybody. Well, Jesus said, let's get to the real heart of the law. Have you ever hated someone? Mm. Well, hey, I've never committed adultery. Well, let's get to the heart of the law. Have you ever lusted? If you have, you've broken the law. Yeah. So, again... See, even from a distance, you, you don't look that good when, from the law. But when you really get to the heart of the law, uh, to, that, to the applying it to the motives and intent of our hearts, yeah. oh my goodness, we are so, we're, our, our, even our righteousness, the prophets would say, is like filthy, filthy rags. rags. Yeah, yeah. Rick, we often tell people uh, the phrase, give your heart to Christ, or pray to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or receive the free gift of salvation from God. Sometimes we call that Christianese because we, we say it so often. Do they, do they really mean the same thing? In other words, do they, do they mean that we are receiving the free gift of, uh, and I'm thinking of, of a number of these things, the free gift of forgiveness and um, duly empowered uh, by that substitutionary death of Jesus? Um, God's one and only Son, and that we are reconciled to Him, no longer enemies and friends, and that we're adopted by or adopted into His family. Am I am I getting that right? Is that what those things mean? You're getting exactly right, and all of those are beautiful word pictures that the New Testament authors use to describe uh, salvation. And you know, I always think of salvation as a multi multifaceted diamond, mm. and so you can look at it, and it can be. You can look at through the uh, imagery of atonement or through the imagery of forgiveness or reconciliation or redemption. All of those are just facets explaining uh, really why Paul, of all the words in the universe he could have chosen, he picked the right one. It's good news. Yeah. It is absolutely <laughs> good news. Just the simple word. You know, I, I, and I, 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 I just made the mistake because I even used the word substitutionary death. I, I used the word atonement. And how important is it for disciples to examine 
those concepts individually? It really is important because the, the more you look at the, the, the multi-facets of, of the diamond of good news, mm -hmm. the, the more you will appreciate what Jesus Christ has really done. And each one of those is like a window. And so you're just looking at it through a different window into the, it's the same house, but you're seeing a different side. And Sean, this is why it is so important for people to study the Bible, not just read it. And there's mm -hmm. a big difference. Reading the Bible is great. I encourage people read the Bible kind of more on the devotional side, mm -hmm. but don't stop there. Uh, studying the Bible a little more disciplined. It takes hard work. Yeah. So you let's say you take that idea of substitutionary atonement. Mm -hmm. You go, what is that? Yeah. Well, I'm going to dig into it. I'm going to study it. And I'm telling you, the more you will do that, the greater your appreciation of the work of Christ on the cross will become in your life. Yeah. And really, that's the, the reason I'm doing this series on freedom. This is a Bible study. I'm taking, through, uh, taking people through a, a, a section by section study of the book of Galatians, which by the way, well, it, it was really the, uh, it was the book that lit the flame of the Reformation back in the 1600s. Oh my goodness. It was, you know, Martin Luther. It was the book of Galatians that set him free and uh, all the other reformers as well. So Amazing. That's, why, that's my goal. I want to set people free who've never been free before. Wow. And I, and I know that there are, look folks, I think all you have to do is just Google some of these words. And you will you will get some great. There's some great, uh, very smart people that have done a lot of hard work for you. And uh, so you used to have to pay a lot of money for books, and now you get it for free. Take so, advantage. Yeah, yeah. Rick, there there seems to be I don't know some disconnect. I've I've heard people say, and and honestly, I've even thought about it myself in the past. That it kind of goes back to that other thing. If I do enough good works. I can get to heaven. <laughs> or I hope that when I die, we, we just talked about this, maybe I'm reiterating it too much, but I just, I want us to, can you talk about that a little bit more yeah. about how I, it's not that I, I, I want to get in by the, by the leveling of, the, of that, just an, a millimeter towards, oh yeah, you're righteous. You made it by two millimeters. <laughs> I mean, how, what's wrong with the statement of I hope I just get into heaven? Well, I think even even Christians misunderstand, biblically speaking, if you want to be biblically accurate, there really, there really are two paths to heaven. There are two ways to get to heaven. Mm -hmm. Path number one is works. It is by being good enough. Now, there, there is a catch. <laughs> uh, if you're going to go that path, uh -huh. you have to perfectly obey every command of God. Well, Sean, I'm quite confident uh, as I look at you, I know there's no hope for you on that path. I'm looking in the mirror, no hope for me. Right. Nothing personal, listeners, there's no hope for you yeah. either. You cannot make it on the path of work. It is, it is truly a, a path that God prepared. He said, now, if you want to get to heaven by good works, here's the rule. Yeah. Here's the catch. Now, there will be one person in heaven who is there by their works, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Nobody else. That's right. The second path is faith in Jesus. So the, the first one requires perfect obedience. This one requires trust. Mm. It's trusting in the accomplished work of Christ that he really did make a perfect sacrifice and paved a way into heaven. So we, Sean, think of it this way. 
the, the only way we get into heaven is by the coattails of Jesus. Amen. We have to trust Amen. in Jesus, and you can ride his coattails all the way to glory. Yeah. And he didn't mind. And that's why he came. He said, yeah. my came is, but the reason I came is to seek and to save what? The lost. That which is lost. Yeah. So you're saying I need to abandon any idea of me earning or being good enough or getting into heaven. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You will never merit salvation. The, the only reason, the only reason we serve and love and obey is a, out of a heart of gratitude. That's, that is our Bingo. only motive now. Okay. So, what, so I guess you just kind of answered that question. Why do I still feel like I need to be doing more of this God-loving stuff? Yeah, and I think you know, there, there's something in us. There's, we just hold on to this sinful pride uh-huh. that says, yeah, but you know, I still need to do enough. Yeah, I, I need to do something, rather than saying, you know, as the old hymn writer said, "Nothing in my hands I bring, yeah. simply to Thy cross I cling." Yeah, it's hard to make that because we have pride, and uh, you know, the door to heaven is very low. You have to humble yourself and kneel to get in, mm-hmm. and there's no place for pride. And when it comes to salvation, it's either all Jesus or not at all. Amen. All right, so. Back to the message, uh, you said Paul was, really, you said he was madder than a wet hen, right? Because there were some distorting this awesome and beautiful gospel. Um, how did that happen? Yeah, when you open the book of Galatians, uh, you know, we did the introduction last week. Typically, this week's sermon would be on Paul's greeting and, oh, I'm praying for you and I'm grateful for you and this. No, no, there is none of that mm. uh, That typical greeting that you see in Paul's letters. This one, he immediately, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the gospel. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is furious. Yeah. What happened? And I, I explained it a little more in the sermon. I would encourage yes. people to go to the webpage and, and listen to the sermon. But in the first part of the message, I explained two things happened. Peter, the apostle Peter, comes up north to Antioch and visits this Gentile church. And he, he just jumps right in, and he's doing something that uh, is a no-no from his Jewish background. He eats with Gentiles. And you just don't do that in, yeah. the, in that culture. Mm-hmm. So he eats with Gentiles, and then this pressure group comes from Jerusalem, and they say, Peter, you can't do that. And Peter hypocritically withdraws fellowship. He quits eating with the Gentile Christians. Yeah. And, and Paul is there and he sees it and he has to confront Peter. He goes, he goes into his face and said, listen, you are condemned in what you're doing. So that was number one. And then number two, about the same time, he got reports from these churches in Galatia that he had just planted and, and full of Gentiles and Jews and they're eating together. Well, he gets report that Judaizers mm-hmm. have basically followed Paul's tracks and uh, goes in and tells these people, oh, listen, Paul left one thing out. All you Gentiles, you got to be circumcised and obey the law. When Paul gets word of that, he goes, wait a minute, something is wrong. Yeah. So the conflict with Peter, the Judaizer in Galatia, that motivates him to write the letter and then to add a little bit more to the story, immediately following, he says to some other people in the church in Antioch, we're going to Jerusalem, we're going to have a big powwow, 
We're going to settle this thing once and, once for, and all. for all. And that's Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council. Wow. Okay. So, Rick, it's important, I think, for, for our listeners to understand that this is not just interesting history. It, it does bear importance for today. What is it that we need to be careful of based upon what happened? Again, I come back to that word of pride. Pride is inside of all of us. And, mm-hmm. and pride, will, it will always lead to thinking that, that I can earn my salvation. It, mm. Okay, maybe not all of it. I'll let Jesus pay 80% and I'll pick up 20%. And Sean, I, I saw in, in my early days, because I grew up in a legalistic background church, mm-hmm. that this kind of legalism of, of thinking I can earn my salvation, it always leads to one of two responses. The first is self-righteousness. And boy, we had some self-righteous people in the church that I grew up in. Yeah. They, they're holier than thou. They look down on other people. And so it'll either lead to self-righteousness, the Pharisee, uh-huh. or it will lead to despair. The honest person who looks at the heart, they begin to think, I could never measure up. There's no hope for me. So either way, self-righteousness or despair, they're both dead ends. Wow. Wow. Well, what a fantastic message. Thanks so much for bringing that truth to us. I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. Okay, well, Rick, it, it seems like we've come to, not it just seems, but we have come to the moment that quote lovers all over the world have been waiting for, and that is, that's right, it's time for Rick's Quote of the Week. Okay, Rick, what do you got for us? Well, this quote that comes from a veteran news analyst, his name is Elmer Davis, oh. and he wrote a book called, But We Were Born Free. Hmm. And But I love this quote. Now, in the quote, he's applying it to America's freedom, Okay. but there is a spiritual application when you think of it. Here's his quote. This will remain the land of the free only so long as it is the home of the brave. Hmm. Now think about this. This will remain the land of the free only so long as we have, as it is the home of the brave. It wow. takes brave people in, in America. It takes brave, courageous people to make sure this land stays free. Yeah. But think of it spiritually. It takes people like Paul who are willing to stand up for spiritual freedom in Christ because otherwise, if there's not brave, courageous people, uh, people will revert right back to legalism. Yeah. 2,000 years ago it was true. Sean, it's still true today. Wow. Wow. Fantastic quote. All right. Well, what else is happening here at Grace? This Sunday, we, we keep moving into Galatians. And uh, freedom lesson number two, I, I've entitled it, Don't Mess with the Gospel. <laughs> and this is where Paul pulls, I mean, he pulls his gloves off and he goes at them. And he, he has mm. some very, very strong words and the words are still relevant to, to today. So uh, Don't Mess With The Gospel is coming this Sunday. Hey, I also want to remind all of our parents out there that Grace realizes the summer months can be challenging for you as a parent, especially if mom and dad both work or a single parent and you work. You go, what can I do with my kids? I want you to check out our webpage or check out Facebook. Grace Children's Ministry and Student Ministries, they have all kinds of activities, good, healthy, wholesome activities. A summer camp is next week for both groups, but then through the summer, 
we are really investing uh, here at Grace in our children and our students because we want to serve the parents in our community. So check out our webpage and our Facebook and you will find all kinds of great, great, good activities to keep your kids out of trouble so <laughs> mom and dad can have a little peace of mind. Right, right. Well, Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.